0: Okay, good morning. Thank you, Rory. Is that fine? Yes. Okay. Oh, thank you for mentioning my my parents. They are very good role models, actually. So, And Rory has a good relationship with them, which is nice. That's good for me. So I've entitled this talk this morning, The Wonderful... Oh, could you go back to the title page, maybe? The Wonderful Wife. So I thought I, you can't beat some good alliteration. Um, the Wonderful Wife. So... Um, But seriously, yes, we will talk about a wonderful wife and how to be one, how to find one, hopefully, for those who are looking. Okay, so recently this month, on the 8th of March, we had um, International Women's Day, you might remember. And then today in the UK is Mothering Sunday. I think maybe Uganda celebrates the US one, I'm not sure which is in May, so maybe that's why. My kids remembered this morning and, and made a card for me, so that was very sweet. So it's very fitting um, that I'd be speaking today on women and, oh, my glasses are like steamed up, women and the role of wives. Um, so we, so as we've mentioned in our relationship series so far, we've had excellent talks on marriage, singleness, the role of husbands, um, parenting, and lastly today um, we'll be speaking about wives. And then as we've mentioned, we've got the questions at the back, the papers, please fill in if you have any more questions. And next week we'll try and wrap up the series and do our best at answering your questions. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm pleased that we've already had the talk on singleness um, with Monica and Alistair's talk as well, because I think that's really reminded us that, you know, if we are solely pursuing our relationship with God and that intimacy, then these other relationships that we're talking about, whether it's friendships or colleagues, other rela- as well as marriage relationships, that they're, they're ultimately they're more fulfilling because, you know, you've spent that time and that groundwork and that foundational work on pursuing your identity and your you know, seeking him for your direction in your life. So really, again, it's just a plug, you know, if you are single, don't, please don't put all your, like, feel that you'll be whole and fulfilled only when you get married to really work on your, your, your single life now. Um, But this morning, I do want to speak to all of us, not just to the women, not just to those of us who are wives already. Um, I think this is relevant for all of us. Um, For working women, um, the passage that I'll look at later, it's very relevant for those of us who work, those of us perhaps who are home and are not working outside the home, for single mothers, um, and also to the men who are single or looking to get married. So I hope this will be helpful. Um, And this topic's really crucial, I think, because we get so many mixed messages um, from our society and from our cultures that we're from, all of us, no pointing fingers, from the media, um, and also like things that are passed down from us. You know, we all have um, well-meaning figures in our lives who are parents or or step-parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, that we receive messages from, whether directly or indirectly, um, people who are, are role models um, and often very well meaning but it's really good sometimes to just look at a very a biblical yeah. perspective of these things because we can often kind of between the media and society and then these sort of messages from role models that are well meaning but maybe not based on kingdom values, then we get a bit we get a bit muddled up. <laughs> Um, So then I thought, would you prefer today some biblical wisdom or old wives' tales? (laughs) I'm sure that phrase is based on something, I won't go into another. Um, But but having said that, I want us to be respectful to those who do pass down messages to us, um, but we just always need to weigh things up against um, biblical truths. Um, So what better place today than to look to our ultimate guidebook for anchoring our standards and our principles. Okay, so where do we start? Oh yeah, you can move on, sorry. yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to go back. There's like an intro page, yeah. And then if you move on to the next one, it should say like, so where, do, where should we start? So we'll start at the beginning, briefly. Um, Genesis, so there are many, many Bible passages that we could look at this morning that describe various aspects of womanhood and being a godly wife. But what they all have in common um, is that they repl- reflect some of the purposes, or they do reflect the purpose of a woman's creation, creation of woman, creation of Eve, as described in Genesis 1 and 2. It's up to you if you turn there. I'm not going to stay too long here. This is part of the intro still. But in Genesis 1, God created male and female. And specifically now, if we're looking at female Eve was created in God's image. Okay, so he created her whole, as an independent person, body, an individual, and she was created as he intended her to be created. Yeah, in his eyes, she was perfect. He said, you know, they were both good after he had made them. So she was good. He he created her in his image, so she reflected aspects of the Godhead. Okay, so she didn't have anything lacking from her creation. There's a saying out there that's like, you know, when you're introducing your spouse, you might say, this is my better half. <laughs> I've heard people say that, this is my better half. But I don't really like that, <laughs> that phrase, if you think about it, because it's like saying, again, we're not complete, you know, we're not a whole person that God has created us unless I've got this other person <laughs> making me whole. And there's something in there because obviously he said, come together as a man and wife and you'll be one. You know, you'll leave your father and mother, which is important in marriage. Start your own unit, your own family. And you are essentially a whole together, especially in a sexual union, you come, you're together. But don't lose sight that we're two individual people that were created individually in God's image. Okay, so that's that point I wanted to get across. Um, And then on in Genesis 1 and 2, there's some overlaps between them, but he tells them both to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule over the living things. He describes to them what he had provided for food, what they could eat. And he had said his creation was good, he was very pleased. So he gave them tasks to do. He had, you know, they had roles to play, they were busy, they were working. Um, And in Genesis 2, then it goes on in a bit more detail, Um, Eve was created to be a helper suitable to Adam. Her purpose was someone to correspond with Adam. One this commentator I was reading, he used the word correspond and to complement and to assist. Yeah? So they're, they're, that's how her strengths can be brought to the to the to the union. Yeah, so it's like they're co-workers, they're co-heirs in in the garden. Um, so I was thinking maybe it might be fun. You don't need to turn there because um, I'm not looking for specific words from the passage, but maybe if you call out some words that come to mind that might be characteristics or aspects of Eve that you can kind of deduce from those passages. If you can think of anything. Strong? Yeah, strong. That's one of the ones I had here. Strong, anyone out? Helpful, Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've put companion here, yeah, yeah. They're, they were friends. He create, God created her ultimately because he was, like, alone, right, with the animals, <laughs> so he needed the friendship and the companionship. Exactly. Um, anyone else? Relationship. relationship, yeah. Ultimately, God's all about relationship because he's a triune God, and now he's created two beings, and he wants them to multiply and have family so relationships really at the heart of God's um, nature. So yes, yeah, some other words might be independent, strong, as uh, Monica said, that I thought that she, you know, she was the one who spoke out. She was the one who's very curious and like, you know, was, where's God, you know, and was the one speaking to, to, the, to the serpent as we have it in the passage. That we can deduce she was beautiful, that she was attractive to her husband. She was attractive. Um, yeah, and all the other words we've said that are complimentary, helpful. But sadly, over the centuries, there are many misconceptions that have been taught that were not part of God's original plan. Yeah, we've taken on many things, and many maybe because of the light of, of original sin, you know, and things have been skewed. And, um, but in many societies, it's left women dishonored, um, not being encouraged or empowered um, in the ways that would be biblical. Um, worst of all, in societies where women you know, can't leave the house without being completely covered or aren't allowed, girls and women aren't allowed in schools or universities. Um, but that is certainly not the biblical norm, Okay. Um, and, again, there are other, many other passages we can go into. <laughs> we're, still, we're not to the passage that I'm concentrating on today, but the Bible's full of many verses and passages that you could pick out. You could look. You could just do a study on Ruth and Naomi and and pull out, like, some amazing principles and characteristics um, of a godly woman, of godly wives. Both of them, they had lost their husbands at some point in that passage, but they were still characteristics you could point out. Um, Briefly, Ephesians 5, to 33. Um, these are some sort of central verses on biblical submission. Firstly, it describes submission to one another. And then it goes into the verse about wives, be submitted to your husbands. And then as Alistair Apley brought out a few weeks back, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And the passage ends in verse 33 Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So Rory and I once attended a marriage course back at our home church, and it was called Love and Respect. The actual course was called Love and Respect. And I think, arguably, because these are two core areas that cause issues in marriages. You know, often issues you can sort of boil down to to love, these issues, love and respect, where the one isn't feeling, receiving that from the other one. Um, So it's just really important to remember in our decision-making, in our communication, in our intentions and actions, that we bear in mind that we're both respectful and loving. And this, in many ways, can resolve or prevent, even as Kimberly was speaking the other week, a preventative measure. (laughs) So, you know, why not be front-footed, as she was saying, in being loving or being respectful, you know, thinking, well, what can I say when my husband comes home from work today? Oh, hey, you know, I'm so proud of you. You're so good at your job, you know? And that was what Kimberly was speaking about um, the other week. And it doesn't mean that husbands don't need to be loved or that wives don't need to be respected. <laughs> if they're both, both and. But it's, I think Paul was emphasising those because perhaps we have weaknesses in those areas for showing to the other one um, and it's really what each needs really needs to receive um, to feel fulfilled um, and, and for women to feel unconditionally loved and accepted and for men to feel respected it's very important. Um, so again there are many verses yeah I've highlighted the Ephesians one but there are many verses um, that you can go to yourselves if you wanted to pull out Um, passages on women and the role of wives but the most extensive passage where we learn biblical traits of a godly wife is in Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31. You can go to the next. Yeah so in general first of all so what are the Proverbs known for primarily if you call it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah do you all agree yeah yeah so it's a really good place to go. Um, Proverbs are full of wise advice about relationships, family relationships, friendships. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the family unit is pivotal in society, and it has um, a lot of wisdom on, on family. It teaches us about monogamy. It teaches us um, uh, despite oh yeah, I've written here, despite it having been written by Solomon, <laughs> it does teach us about monogamy. Um, He had many relationships. Um, It teaches us many things about um, within family, such as parents should share the training of their children and should speak together unified with one voice in the home and training the children. Um, Proverbs also brings out that the man is to be loyal to his wife and it highlights that the woman can make or break her husband. So, it gives us kind of in no short terms that a husband can bring blessing or ill health, basically, rottenness to the bones. So, we have quite a powerful role as wives. Um, and we really want to be in a marriage, you know, where we're wanting to grow more Christ like and that our hearts and attitudes are wanting um, to bring health to our husbands. So we have a lot of influence that we need to be aware of, yeah, on, on other women and younger women. There's many passages about that, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we would respect our husbands, that also influences younger women amongst us who, are, who aren't yet married. Um, also the book teaches um, a very high view of marriage and, and takes any sin that would break a marriage up very seriously, especially sexual infidelity. It sets a very high standard um, but please don't feel defeated, because these virtues are obtainable. So we'll go into them. It seems like quite a long list of <laughs> all these things, and you could be a bit overwhelmed, thinking, "Oh, I can't do all of these things, like all at the same time." Um, but just remember that you know, developing a godly character is a lifetime of of journeying um, and making mistakes. You know, forgiving, admitting our mistakes, growing. So please don't feel just remember that God's full of grace. Um, and if you do have particular issues in your relationship, especially you know as a woman, if you're in a very difficult relationship or difficult season, please remember that we're here also to pray with you or to speak with you if you need any, um, any further help. So as you turn to Proverbs 31, I wanted to just note two things about the context. So it says at the beginning of 31 that... This is an oracle. It says, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle, which is his mother taught him. So an oracle is a person or a thing regarded as an infallible authority on something. So I thought this was important to note because it shows the human origin of this passage. Okay, this isn't a passage written by a male chauvinist (laughs) who's sort of telling us his ideal... It's it's written by a mother, a godly mother, who is teaching her sons the quality of an excellent wife. Okay? And centuries later, we can testify that King Lemuel's mother was used by God because her words have been recorded in Scripture and have been passed down and looked at, you know, many times over as a standard. And also, this is sort of set in history with many pagan cultures that prize women for the outward beauty, um, and cultures that really push women down, as I've mentioned. And so um, you won't find such a commendation of women from this time, from this period, apart from the Bible. So it just shows us that the Bible highly, again, highly prizes women and the role of the wife, um, as I've mentioned. Okay, so the first few verses, she's warning him also against promiscuity and drunkenness. She encourages him to reach out to the poor. And one commentator I was reading said that this, these verses, firstly being about the king of a nation, and secondly, the queen of a home. So I thought that was quite good. I liked reading that, the queen of a home. Okay, so also, just as part of the context, did you know that this proverb, 31... No, no, go back, that's fine. ...was written as a poem? I'm not sure. Did you know it was written as a poem? I, think, I guess a lot of some of these scriptures are, but I think we forget that sometimes. So there are 22 verses from 10 to 31, um, or stanzas, and they're written in an alphabetical, like acrostic. So each letter, I think, you know, for the beginning of that verse, then the letters follow, follow on. Um, and this made it easy to memorize as well, I was reading. So I think this is very central. This poem was very central, and it maybe still is, Um, but in Jewish culture, even to the point where it was recited by Jewish husbands and children at the Sabbath meal every Friday evening. So, yeah, so very important. And just, yeah, just emphasize the the reciting and that it was, and it's also why I think lots of the concepts repeat and kind of, um, you'll see, but sort of surface in different verses as, as we go through um, and then also it's called an epilogue it says in my version i'm not sure about your version that that this is an epilogue which is something that comes at the end of a story to separate it f- from the final chapter okay and to bring in big impact to the reader so um and also something that was interesting is 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 like we don't know if this was an actual person you know we don't know the name of someone or that he found this person, but, but it's just good to note that, you know, again, these attributes or characteristics are obtainable, because she's giving us a list. She wouldn't have given him a list if, if it wasn't impossible to find this person, so take heart. <laughs> okay, so as we go um, into 10, verses 10 to 31, I can't go through all of the verses, because there are too many Um, So I'm just, I've sort of grouped them, one commentator grouped them like this in kind of two verses together. And I'll just go through a few of the ones that I put in black. So firstly, a wonderful wife has good character. Does someone want to read out if we think we can hear you verses 10 to 12, just so we're familiar? I haven't typed it up here, but it might be good to hear. Monica, do you want to read First chapter 31, verse 10 to 12, 10, and 10 to 12, 10, 11, 12. This is just summed up as good character so but it but the verses highlight that she is valuable that she's trustworthy and that she's continually or always doing good okay so it's interesting that that the verse pulls out that she's valuable she's a rare she's rare to find yeah she's a treasure and some verses some versions use um rubies I think in mine it said rubies she's like rubies I think other versions might use the word jewel or pearls. So I think this is, I mean, it, it could be highlighting, I think some commentators say it does also look at the aspect of perhaps the dowry, that really likes she's invaluable. Um, but, but aside from that, each wife, I think the point really is that each, every, every wife deserves to be um, considered and treated as priceless, a priceless treasure by her husband, to be loved, as we talked about from the verses in Ephesians, and cherished and pursued. <laughs> so, men, because she agrees to marry you, doesn't mean you stop pursuing her and valuing her. Okay? Um, a wonderful wife has the interests of her husband and her household in mind. Her husband should have <clears throat> every reason to trust her. She's reliable, her heart is in the right place. She lives a life. Evident of the outworkings of the fruits of the Spirit. I'm putting this in, but it, because I think I can deduce that there. If she has good character, she's going to be displaying in her life the fruits of, this, of, this, of the Spirit from, that we see in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And also that she recognizes the attributes of love that we, we've heard in previous talks in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, patient, kindness, goodness. Self control. So she's mature and she's rooted in Christ. Okay? Secondly, I was going to highlight verses 13 to 15. The wonderful wife is industrious. Does someone want to read those? Or if Monica is happy? (laughs) Thank you. So she sits wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maintenance. Thank you. Yeah, 15, that's fine. Thank you. So she's industrious, yeah, which means she's working energetically, devotedly, hardworking, and diligently. Okay, she's also prudent, which I did did need to look up the the definition, and it it means wise and judicious in practical affairs. Okay, so a good marriage is one in which the husband and wife experience the freedom to develop their strengths and interests uh, whether whether by earning money with these gifts or, or talents or not, this industriousness is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so marriage needs to be a safe place to grow and nurture giftings. Um, but many things, as I was saying before, that we've been passed on, maybe gender roles, like what certain things are for the male to do and certain things for the female to do, we just need to relook at. Like, for instance, in, in my culture, maybe in just my the generation of my parents, it's quite common to kind of receive the message that, well, the dad or the husband is the one that deals, he earns the money and he kind of organized, like he's the administrator of the money. But in reality, <laughs> and the woman's the spender of the money, maybe. You know, that's that's the kind of rough. But in in our experience and many other experiences, it's actually the wife who is the very good at the administrative, frustration or the budgeting or, or the keeping track of, of, you know, she might not be earning all the money. She might be earning some of the money um, or none of the money, but often. So what I'm saying is is, is, is is just pay attention to each other's strengths and don't just assume gender roles based on something that isn't biblical, because the biblical model is that she's busy, she's hardworking, she's really in control of the family affairs. She knows what's happening. (laughs) Who's where, you know, she's busy at night. Um, So also then I was interested to read about Lydia from Thyatira in Acts 16, 14 to 15. She's a dealer in purple cloth. So similar to this woman described in Proverbs 31, she's got a very specific industry. It said flax and... Or something else in Proverbs. But Lydia <clears throat> was a dealer in purple cloth, and then it goes on to say in Acts 16, a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So that they're quite interesting, like sort of nuggets that, that are recorded about her. Okay, so we can so we know from the Proverbs 31. Um the wife, she puts her hands to the tasks, she's very efficient and she's very hardworking, like many of the women, most of the women that we see in Uganda. Very hardworking, busy, and help provide for the for the households. So, as I was saying before as well from Genesis, we are created to work. So even before the fall, we were given tasks and responsibilities inside the home, outside the home, and that in a good marriage you have the space and the freedom to, and in different seasons maybe, before children might be different to being pregnant and having babies to, when they're at different stages. It's, it's a conversation and sometimes a needs must, you know, it might be that in some families it works for the husband to stay home at some point with the kids and the woman uses her, her strengths to be the sole wage earner at that time. But it just takes a conversation Within a marriage to, to to work those things out, okay, um, so yeah, she's very creative, she 's very energetic. These are biblical attributes, okay, and then if we if I look at the third one, little section there, sixteen to eighteen, a wonderful wife has financial enterprise, so this might overlap a little bit, like I said in this poem it's like some of these concepts overlap and reinforce um, So she is entrepreneurial, she's strong, and she's attentive. When there is trust in in a relationship, um, often an entrepreneurial spirit can then be given space to grow, and a woman can really fly. So from personal experience, Rory has encouraged me and motivated me and helped me gain a lot of confidence He's encouraged me to do online courses where I've had interest. So often we've lived in places where maybe I couldn't have a work permit, so I couldn't use my... Originally, I had trained as a nurse in the UK, and when we got to Zimbabwe, I couldn't work for one reason or another. But there were other avenues I could pursue, and he was very encouraging um, in that. So, and also now that our kids are more independent, they don't take as much of my time, I also have more freedom. And I don't have the pressure of earning, you know, of providing, because Rory, thankfully, um, his job does that. So it's just a nice season where he's really encouraged me, I'm a, I have a part-time um, contract with a, a USAID partner, and then I also have had time to be able to start a small business. So kind of pursue some entrepreneurial <laughs> um, avenues. and so. In our experience, when each one is fulfilled and working to their God-given potential, it just makes for a stronger, healthier relationship. The children also can see that you're fulfilled, both of you, that their mother is fulfilled, that she feels empowered, um, also that she's reliable, that she's trustworthy. You know, when when, when we're working on things that bring us life, diligently. I think that's a good example to the kids as well. Many times recently Savannah said to me, mommy it's so good to see you doing this you know, you're such a good example to me Um, (laughs) So in this marriage each one honours the other builds one another up um, in their strengths but it's not possible all the time. Of course there's ups and downs, there are times when, um, like we say one person's strengths needs to cover the other person's weaknesses, you know Um, Okay, and then there are the few other sections that I wasn't going to go into. And then the last section I thought I would highlight was the wisdom and kindness grouped together, verses 25 to 27. And I can read, I've I've put here the one verse, um, I'll read it. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. Oh, I need a tissue. (laughs) My nose is running. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, oh thank you, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Okay, did you, did you catch that? She's with, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So the wife has strength of character, yeah? She's solid and dependable. Her husband can rely on her and put his trust in her. Thanks. Suddenly, money. Thank you. Um, and p- okay, her husband can rely on her and put his trust in her. Okay. Um, she's not easily swayed when things get tough. She has a quiet confidence in the future. So in this passage, it says it goes on to say she knows when the snow is going to fall. So she's like prepared ahead, yeah? She's made plans. She's strategic, yeah? She isn't fearful of what's coming and she's made a plan for her household that even extends to helping the, the, those that are in more need around her. And she can laugh at the obstacles that come her way or the things that Satan throws at her, okay? Because ultimately she knows where her strength comes from. She isn't relying on her own ability and strength, but ultimately on God in her. And there's a good example, Rory and I, um, some of you might have heard of Heidi Baker. She's a missionary, she and her husband in Mozambique, American lady. And we read a while back that her husband was diagnosed, had some health issue, you no? Know? Was it his eyes or some, some quite serious health issue? they were told that he he had and might be ongoing and and we we read or heard that she just met that with like she she just laughed she just was like ah and then she immediately turned to prayer because her first response was like well you know that might be the news coming that might be satan's plan to take him out that might be in the natural what the doctors are saying but i know god is bigger and i know he's got plans for us and i know wants you know to heal Roland her husband so that was her first response and often we don't you know it's natural to be fearful and but also there's a dignity and a strength of character one you know and often it comes with age and maturity too the things we've gone through and experienced but um, I think that's some of the things that this these verses are bringing out and also I was uh, this made me think about the women of Ukraine I don't know how closely you guys have been following the news but you know, many, uh, all the men have had to stay, they're conscripted, all the men between 16 and 18 and 60 or something, haven't been able to leave the country. So the millions of refugees leaving and f- flooding to the bordering countries and beyond are mainly women. So they're f- now female-headed households, so women, grandmothers, aunts, who are looking after the children, who are being, you know, there will be some fear there. But a lot of the things I'm reading, are they're very courageous <laughs> and very dignified in their their attitude towards, like, this is what we have to do, we have to put the bigger picture in mind, you know, they're separated from their husbands, it's horrible, they don't know when or if they'll see them again. But um, it just showed me something also of this passage um, of the strength that's there evident. So... As I said earlier, there are many other passages that will have words and characteristics as well as this passage. So go on, like I challenge you, go on, look at these verses in detail, pull out other words. There'll be other other characteristics such as compassion. Um, the wife is admirable in this passage. She's honorable. She's respected. Yeah, she's attentive. I said dignified. So it helps us think, well, what do people say about us when we're not there yeah do we give people do the way we conduct ourselves give people any reason to speak badly of us behind our backs yeah I hope not I hope that we always want to be conducting ourselves in a way that would no one could gossip about us or <laughs> yeah that we that we have a good reputation yeah and we bring a good reputation to our families but having said that if we make mistakes if we sin, if we make poor choices, we can always sort it out. <laughs> That's also a good character is to admit, to communicate, to ask for forgiveness, to apologize to the people that you've, you know, it's affected your, your choices. Okay, so it just means we're a person of our word, we're trustworthy. Okay, so in conclusion, you're coming in to the end. So these are various characteristics um, presented in this poem that describe a virtuous or excellent woman, or as I said, a wonderful wife. It's an impressive list. Do you think um, it's impossible to attain? Possible? Impossible? (laughs) How do you all feel? (laughs) So in fact, yes, it is impossible to attain if you strive in your own power. Okay, that's the point. So the list is possible, but only in God's strength, okay? So only way these things can be evident in your life is if you lay the same foundation of godliness that this woman did for all the other attributes, okay? She wasn't born necessarily with these qualities, and they didn't just appear by magic, you know? We're, we're all in a journey in our relationship with Christ, which makes us more Christ-like. So if you want to be a woman with godly virtues, then start with the proper fear of the Lord, for that is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And that's all through the Proverbs. And on this foundation, you will develop the other characteristics as you strive for excellence and refuse to settle for mediocrity. Do not give up if you stumble and fall, but get back up and renew the effort. And that is a characteristic of the righteous which is Proverbs 24, 16. Okay, and then a final reminder as we close to you men. (laughs) If your wife, your daughter, your sister, your girlfriend falls short, then don't point out all her faults and berate her, (laughs) please. (laughs) That doesn't help, and it only shows your lack of leadership ability. Give her praise in in all the areas where she's doing well, and then encourage and support her in the areas that she still needs to improve. <laughs> Irene's perfect. <sighs> it is wise to treat her the way you would want to be treated, for not only does the Lord command it, in Matthew 7, 12, but we've already heard about the role of husbands, right, and, and the standard that, that it's a very high standard <laughs> in loving our wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. So hopefully this was relevant to men and women amongst us. So, yes, there we are.